0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. I'm your host, Tom Reed, uh, joined today by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. And we will also be joined a little bit later in our show uh, with NHL.com's Dan Rosen. Uh, But right now, uh, all the talk is after a game one loss, yet another. Game one loss to start the playoffs, this time 4-3 to to the New York Islanders in overtime. Kyle Palmieri with the winner after he also scored the first ga- first goal of the game. Nice, nice afternoon for for Sidney Crosby. There were some other good performances from this team, but really, at the end of the day, I think everyone in Pittsburgh is, is talking about Tristan Jari's performance. Uh, really struggled with shots. Uh, above his glove hand, all four, go- all three of the four goals going there. At least two or three of the goals are probably ones that he would want back. Uh, we'll start with you, Taylor. What is your level of confidence in Tristan Jari going into Game Two?
1: Uh, I think just based off of what we saw from him in the regular season, I I think I would be confident moving forward. And you know, you can maybe look at Game One and say there was a fluke because we haven't seen him quite that bad in a while. Um, and, you know, like what you said, you know, like the glove side, that hasn't been a problem really throughout the regular season. Um, so, and, 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 you know, he was good against the Islanders specifically in the regular season. So I, I'd be leaning towards, you know, maybe his right game went off as a fluke and, and then, you know, he'll be back to form um, moving forward. So I, I would say I'm, I'm confident in him moving forward. And they kind of have to be because, you know, this Smith is hurt and there's really no one else to turn to. Um, so... Dave, I,
0: I, I mean, this is a veteran team. A lot of these guys have their names on the Cups, even a guy like Jeff Carter who's coming in. But I do wonder, uh, if you had to have a, a kind of a, the guy that's the least, the guy that you least wanted to have a bad first game, I would think it would be the goalie who's now kind of taken over the reins. Am I, am I, is that, you, do you feel that, that that's a true statement there?
2: well i think I think it's true of, of any goalie yeah. uh, if you know if you don't have your goaltender playing well, it generally doesn't matter what the other eighteen guys do um, and i I really don't think that one poor game is enough to sour his teammates on jari just because he had such a, a good regular season sure uh, after getting off to a, a really bad start i mean he was quite leaky early in the uh in the regular season but uh got that out of his system and uh you know came back and and was a a major factor in them winning the east division and i think that uh just one subpar performance isn't enough to uh get his teammates to, to question him. You know, if it becomes a trend, you know, that that's different, but the, you know, after just one game, I, I don't think that their, their faith in him has been shaken.
0: Taylor, you've, we've talked about this on, on several occasions. Uh, and you've mentioned that he's just kind of a laid back kind of guy. Uh, doesn't let a whole lot of stuff bother him. I would think. That would be one of his best allies going into game two.
1: Yeah, I remember what looking back. I think the first time I ever did like a phone interview with him was when he was in Wilkes-Barre, and um, they were down two nothing in a best of five series, like on the brink of elimination. And I, I remember talking to him, um, and just very calm, straightforward, and didn't seem worried at all. Um, and and that's just you know since then, since he's made it to the NHL, that's just what we've seen from him. It um, doesn't matter if they win or, the, or, or they lose. It seems like, uh, you know, after and like the post game, he is the same. He's not the same, same kind of answers. So yeah, he's, he's just very calm. Um, doesn't seem to get rattled by much. So I wouldn't think that, you know, this would be that hard. Um, this would like last mentally, you know, moving forward. Uh, I don't think that, that is a concern.
0: Dave, uh, Taylor, mentioned it briefly in her in her first statement but this has not been the the, this the the fact that 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 the three of the four goals sailed in over his shoulder and and I'll be the first to defend him on the fourth goal I just thought that was a great play by Palmieri on the winner it was a kind of a rolling bouncing puck he kind of almost knocks in off a volley uh but that that the glove hand thing has has not been a problem this season necessarily it's not been a place where his teammates or his, the fans worry about that side of the, you know, over his glove hand.
2: No, that that was supposed to be a non-issue when uh, Matt Murray left town. <laughs> uh, and I mean, you you have to wonder if the Islanders picked up on something during the regular season that made that uh, something that they they made a conscious effort to do in, in the opener. Or if just after uh, they scored the first goal of the game there, you know, if they decided to uh, keep shooting high glove on him. And uh, certainly they had no reason to stop once, uh, <laughs> once they got
0: started. Yeah, it was weird because the second goal, you, you hear sometimes when goalies get beat high glove, they're too deep in the net. Well, you look at the second goal, Pajot scores on the bad line change. I mean, he Jari could not been any further on the top of his crease. I mean, he is in really good position uh, to defend that shot. And I, that was the one that was like, I don't know if it was a knuckleball or, or something came off the shot, but he just kind of waved at it. I, I, th- that was the one that really like, oh, my goodness, what's, what's, what's going on here? Um, Taylor, what did, the, what did the players say? What did his teammates say? Maybe what did Sullivan say here in the last 24 hours since that game one has ended?
1: I mean, they just kind of reiterated that, you know, they have full confidence in him moving forward. I don't think they would say, you know, anything, anything else um, other than that. Um, when when Sullivan was asked about him after the game, he he really didn't say much about Jari. Um, you know, he reiterated that, you know, they, he made some big saves, but he didn't really go into a whole lot of detail. Like, you know, he kept it pretty short, which I thought was interesting. But I mean, yeah, they, they've just, they, you know, repeated how confident they are in him moving forward, which... Like again, what else are they going to say? Yeah,
0: I think it is, in, in, in all fairness, and I, I know fans don't want to hear this after a performance like that, he did make some good saves. I mean, he made some really good saves, a couple in overtime. Boy, uh, Mike Matheson could have been the goat on that turnover late in the game. There were a couple of egregious mistakes that he covered up for. But again, I think everyone's just going to focus on some of those bad goals. And of course, it doesn't help when the guy at the other end wasn't expected to start at least forty-eight hours earlier, and Ilya Sorokin and goes in and plays really well. Uh, really hard to fault him on any of the goals. A beautiful tip-in goal, uh, goal in traffic, uh, pretty well placed shot on Kapanen. If if any of the three, maybe he wants that one back. But I that was a really nice shot just inside the post. Dave, if uh, if you're if you're Barry Trots in game two. You just saw your young goalie come out there and play really well. Do you do you stick with him? Or do you go back to the guy that kind of the veteran in, in, in Simeon Varlamov who has kind of got them there the last couple of years?
2: Well, that that would, for, for if I were coaching the Islanders, which apparently I will not be, um, that would be determined at, at least in part by exactly how healthy Varlamov is and how sharp his game is. And, uh, you know, a lot of other things that that we simply do not know. Um, you know, if he's not, you know, 100% healthy and, uh, you know, pretty much near the top of his game, I don't think Trotz should hesitate to, to go back with uh, Sorokin because if only for game two, uh, the Islanders are kind of playing with house money, you know, yeah. at least in, until... Uh, Game three, because you know the uh, conventional wisdom in hockey is that you l- want to get a split out of the first two games on the road. Uh, New York is already guaranteed of that, so you know unless you have uh, reason to believe that Sorokin, you know, absolutely played uh, far beyond anything that you could expect him to replicate in in Game two, I don't think that he should be. Uh, afraid to to go back to him and unless they know something about Varlamov that that we don't
1: and they on, on Sunday on Sunday uh Trots did so Varlamov what he's dealing with a he called it a little strain uh that he got in their last regular season game yep. um but Trots did say Sunday that uh Varlamov they're just being you know overly cautious didn't want to risk anything they wanted to do the right thing and um just give him an extra day rather than you know put him out there he said um you know, if it, one more day of practice and Varlamov will be back to hundred percent. And that was Sunday. Varlamov did, uh, he skated on Monday. They didn't have a full practice. They had a light, you know, optional practice, but Varlamov did. So, um, you know, Trotz said that one more day and he thought he'd be back to a hundred percent. So if that is true, um, then Varlamov is a hundred percent for game two. So yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, he was one of the, the best goalies in the regular season in the league. Um, but i don't know how you turn away from sorokin after that game
0: yeah it was interesting too that 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 varlamov wasn't even the backup i think Corey Snyder, who hasn't played all year if something yeah. would have happened to sorokin i mean not that, i mean the guy's played for 100 years but it was kind of interesting that varlamov wasn't even the backup uh, so they, he was given the complete day off yeah, i i i really do think it's an interesting decision as dave said uh, you got some house money here sorokin played played very well in game one, but Varlamov is your guy. And then you just get into this whole, what if he wins game two? Well, <laughs> sorry, Varley, you're, you're going to have to sit for a while. You're going uh, to be, you are going know, uh, well, I'm going to say Marc-Andre Fleury in 2016, but uh, that's a long way away from happening. Of course, obviously, uh, the Penguins want to get back in this series and really do need uh, to win game two. And we're going to discuss a little bit about – Uh, The next couple games coming up here in Dave's favorite segment, the roundtable. So stick with us here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Uh, We will be joined shortly uh, by Dan Rosen, the fine writer from NHL.com. Um, to discuss a little bit more about this series. But uh, coming, coming to our kind of a roundtable thing, we're going to bat some issues around and questions around. And certainly, uh, obviously, Tristan Jari was the f- main focus uh, of Game 1, but another focus was a guy who wasn't even on the ice, and that is Evgeny Malkin uh, did not play in Game 1. And uh, I believe, according to Mike Sullivan, it's going to be a game-time decision for game two, you guys were both at practice. Taylor, what did you see Monday? He was out on the ice. What can you tell us about what you saw there?
1: Yeah, uh, so he he practiced. He did not take line rushes, and he did not work with um, the special teams. Um, but, but then uh, he did stay on the – so normally, you know, after practices, when the formal practice ends, you know, guys will stick around and work on extra stuff if they want. Uh, he's normally one of the first guys off the ice – um today he stayed out for an additional 45 minutes and was the last guy off um and i mean he worked on a lot of stuff in that time uh there's kind of like you know different stations set up where guys are working on different things and he just kind of you know floated around to whatever looked like was uh more interesting at the time it looked like like he was taking shots on like the shooter tutor with ty hennis and then he worked uh they were you know uh like a little like three-on-three game at the one end and he did that he uh worked on face-offs with mike Villucci and Sidney Crosby. Uh, he was doing uh like some power skating stuff with Ty Hennis. Um and then what I thought uh was interesting at one point he went up to um Colton Sevier and, and you know kind of said something to him and then for like a full minute uh Colton Sevier just hit Malkin into the boards repeatedly. Um so either, you know, Malkin was Colton Sevier money or they were working on just, you know, taking more physical contact. Um but yeah, Sullivan did say, you know, he's still day-to-day game time decision tomorrow. Um it's hard to read into that, what that means, because this time of year, uh, the thing Sullivan always says is that everyone is a game-time decision. So, um, it, yeah, he didn't take part in the, in the line rushes. The, the forward lines were the same as uh, what they used in game one, um, and uh, McCann worked with the top power play unit, same as you know, game one. Um, so it's hard to tell you know, when he might be ready, but not a great sign that he didn't take line rushes, but uh, he certainly put in a lot of work after practice.
0: Dave, do you get a sense, you know, again, he he missed how many games? you Guys, help me out how many games did he miss toward the end of the regular season? Like 20? 20? 20. Like, he he
1: came back for the last
0: four. He came back for the last four and 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 I guess we're going to assume here and I go there's always a danger in that that this is a reaggravation of whatever was bothering him lower body before. Dave, is this something that that we're just uh as the media and the fans and really his teammates are just going to this is probably going to be a game-to-game thing with him uh, for a while until he can get through it because, as you know, the playoffs are not a time to get healthy. It's usually just the opposite. Uh, how much of this is going to be probably day-to-day with him going forward?
2: Well, I mean, that's hard to say when we don't know exactly what his issue is. But, you know, the the fact that it appears to be a uh, recurrence of something that bothered him during the regular season uh, suggests that, there's at least a pretty good chance that this could dog him throughout however long the Penguins last in the playoffs. Um,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. Sullivan did say that uh, when he was asked if it was like a setback or, you know, what, what he was dealing with, he Sullivan said it's just part of the process that uh, Gino has been going through. He's obviously trying to get back as soon as he can uh, for us right now. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, related to what, what he had before and, um, some of the things he was doing with his skating looked like he was really focusing on uh, like low, just, just his lower body. He was doing some interesting things along the boards. Um, I posted like the videos of it in my story. Yeah. So it, it seems like he's kind of testing that out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to, hard to say uh, what exactly he might be dealing with.
0: Yeah. I get a sense that both he and, 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 uh, uh, Ovechkin are kind of in the same boat this year and Ovechkin did play in game one, but you know, he had problems toward the end of the season. It just seems like these, these two guys are going to be and the two stars of their team are going to be going game to game as far as how their health is with this, whatever it is that's bothering them. And that's just the way it's going. I think it's going to be for a while. Maybe, maybe if, if the penguin, if the penguins can, Get back in this series and maybe get get the Islanders out in five or even six games. They do get a couple of days off to give him a little bit more rest. But this just seems like something that he's going to have to to uh, kind of just grin and uh, just grit his teeth and try to get through it the best he can. Uh, interesting game one. Uh, back to game one. Four three loss. Uh, Taylor wrote about it. I've written about it. Dave, we've talked about it. Uh, the Islanders get the first goal. Does't necessarily mean they held it very long. You know, the, the, the two leads they had, they lost. But I, I think one of the important things about when we talk about the Islanders and the way they set up is as long as it's with, as long as they're within one goal, they are very comfortable playing the way they play, which is a very frustrating, uh, very frustrating style for a team like the, 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 the penguins that like to make the pretty plays that like a little bit more time and space. Uh, I think they may have given up, what, two or three odd man rushes at the most in that game, and they seemed to get stronger as the game go- went on. If you read Dave's game story, I thought it was very important that Dave pointed out, even though everyone disagreed with him, uh, at least publicly, that the, the, it really looked like the Islanders took control of the game in the third period when they did get the two goals Uh, guys, is it just going to be a matter of maybe trying to get a two goal lead on these guys to try to get them to open up? Taylor, start with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it near the last episode that, you know, if they have just the defensive style they play, if they have a one goal leader, it's close. If it's just a one goal game um, it's really hard to to get back in it. Uh, And I can't remember what their record is when they scored first but it was like 23-2 and it was something crazy 23-2
0: and 2 in the regular yeah. season and then they won the first game yesterday in that so and I do believe whoever scored the first goal in this series even going back to the regular season won the game so and that that continued uh, I know yeah the, no when no,
1: the penguins, no that when the when the penguins uh I know when the penguins led it first at intermission they did that three times and they won all three games when they trailed at first intermission, I think they, uh, they came, I think they did that in four and they came back in half of the, in two of those. Um, so like the Penguins and when the Penguins did, you know, um, when the Islanders scored first, they did it twice and the Penguins came back right. and beat them. Yeah. So it, it, it's not impossible to come back if the Islanders um, score first, but um, yeah, it's hard to get back in the game.
0: Dave, you mentioned this, it was, I, I can't, you, you'll probably have the, the stack cause that your mind is like a steel trap, but the penguins very good when leading, going into the third period of games, you mentioned it in your game story. Uh, I encourage people to go out and read both your and Taylor's stuff and DK stuff from game one, excellent coverage, but boy, the Islanders just kept coming. They kept coming in the third period. What, what did you see over that 20 minutes? Well, yeah, I mean, the, it- the Islanders uh, certainly asserted
2: themselves. I mean, it, it was a back-and-forth game, as uh, Mike Sullivan and most of the players have said. You know, the Penguins had their way at times. The Islanders had theirs at times. Um, I thought New York had its uh, most of its good moments in the second half of the game. The Penguins had theirs in the first. One thing I, I don't think we should gloss over that I think was really impressive on the part of the Penguins was how quickly they wiped out the the two leads that the Islanders had before they got the lead that uh, will stand up for all time yeah. on the overtime goal. Yeah, now, I believe it was what uh, rough three plus minutes uh, before the Penguins made it one one, and then thirty one seconds before they made it three three. Yep. Now for a team that. Um, who, whose game is built on on playing well defensively? Uh, you know that that was quite an accomplishment to to do it twice in one game and do it so quickly. Um, that I, I think bodes well for the for the Penguins in this series. You know, being able to to do that, assuming that it wasn't uh, an aberration.
1: Another he, encouraging thing was just shutting down Matt Barzal the way they did. I I do think it was interesting what the two stories that we had up that morning. Oh, what Dave wrote about how dangerous Barzal is going to be and I wrote about how Palmieri hasn't done anything really since yeah. getting there. And then what they shut down Barzal and then Palmieri matches his regular season goal total with the Islanders um, in just one playoff game. Uh, so but yeah, shutting down Barzal the way they did. That's, um, that's I th- a good sign moving forward.
0: Yeah, and also let's let's continue to give a little bit of. Pre- I thought I thought they got a great performance from the captain. I thought Sidney Crosby played really well, just beyond the the crazy uh, one handed uh, deflection goal. I thought he played very well. I thought his his line mates probably could play a little bit better, but still, uh, you had some of your top guys going. Jeff Carter sets up a goal, really beautiful goal from Kapanen. So there were good signs in this game. There were they played a lot of good minutes. Uh, just didn't get the result. I want to ask, let's, let's pivot here a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I think, if when you watch the Islanders play, uh, when they are on their game, and I think they were on their game for a good portion of yesterday, they make you make quick decisions. They make you make quick reads and plays. And I think there were a couple moments in that game yesterday. Now everyone's going to look at at. at JG Paggio's goal and say, "Oh my God, that has to be stopped." But that was a bad line change. That was a bad line change that 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 kind of forced Cody Cece. He was so far out of the play that he just decided, "Okay, we'll let him take the shot." Normally, he would gap up in that situation. The Islanders recognized it, moved the puck quickly. They get the goal. Uh, there were times when the, the the couple of odd man breaks they had. Guys just seem to hold on to the puck an extra second, trying to make a play instead of getting it to the net. As as your boy Johnny Hawk or Freddie <laughs> Hockey, he his shot was blocked, he just shot it again and it goes in. Yeah. Uh, Mike Matheson, just an egregious turnover in overtime, which really could have ended the game right there. Where a play was just so casual, you know, skating back, turning inside. How important is it going to be for the the Penguins to stay mentally sharp against a team that is just not going to ever give up on plays? Taylor?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And I mean, that reminds me, we have to point out how how well uh, Chris Letang played in the game. Very Um, well. Yeah, just breaking up, you know, odd man rushes, He. Just he he was really strong all game. I mean, there there were, was there's a moment early on. I think Dumlin had a bad pinch and you know it led to an odd man rush and Latang broke it up. Which normally I think you that would go the other way is what you would expect if, right. uh, with the two uh, partners. But yeah, I mean that would uh, Latang being on his game like that that's big for for you know being strong uh, the way you talked about.
0: Uh, Dave, it's just as far as with the, with just having to make quick decisions against a team like this that likes to be in your face, that likes to – and whenever chance they get, they're, they're not a very – they're more of a counter-type offense. And, the, the, again, that second goal was a classic example where the Penguins were on a long shift. They got the puck out of the zone. I think that was probably a minute-plus minute, minute plus shift for a lot of those guys. And the Islanders just one pass, and it's at the blue line, and, and, and it's in the net a couple of seconds later. Just about having to make plays a little bit quicker – and being more direct.
2: Yeah, I mean, New York is patient and it's opportunistic. Um, if you make a sloppy line change, if you make a casual pass, uh, there's a good chance you're going to pay for it. You know, uh, that's uh, attention to detail is important against any opponent in, in the NHL, but particularly one like the uh the Islanders, who are you know waiting for mistakes, and can force you to make mistakes, and, and then uh, are, are able to exploit them. Um, as you noted, know, you know the Penguins were guilty of of a number of those on Sunday. The the good news for them, I think, is that a lot of those can be eliminated. Yeah. Um, you know they they aren't issues uh, rooted in a lack of skill or speed or, or anything like that. If, you know, mental mistakes are correctable,
0: um, you know,
2: whether whether the Penguins do that or not is up to
0: them. Yeah, I just like the play the on the Goudreau goal was got the shot blocked, gets the puck back, has a second, could have tried to make a play. No, I'm just going to put it on net and see what happens. It ends up in the back of the net. I know it's maybe easier to have, uh Freddie do something like that, then maybe a guy like Crosby who may try to go with a backdoor play. But I think sometimes that works very well in the playoffs, just getting the puck to the net and, and seeing what happens. Uh I know that's hard again, it's hard for a skilled team like the Penguins to do that, but again, sometimes you got to change your game a little bit in the playoffs to make things work. We'll see what happens in the next game. All right. You guys know every season is a season unto itself. I mean, we, the People like to say, I don't care what happened two or three years ago, especially when the stat is negative toward your team. But Dave, this team has won one playoff game out of its last 11, dating back to the second round, I believe, of the 2018 playoffs against Washington. Is that something that's like, ah, it's just some stat? Or is this something that, 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 that it can, can weigh on a team as things go on here? you think that's bad? Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, especially for guys who who have been around you know for that entire time, i I, I don't see how they can avoid thinking about all of those losses what, you know, when they get into a a tight game or get into an overtime.
0: yeah
2: you know when when you know the the storyline doesn't seem to change you know it it it's certainly hard to imagine how the, how they can put that completely out of their minds you know you know the suspicion that that something bad is going to happen just because you know that that's their most recent playoff memories those stanley cups in uh 2016 and 2017 are you know pretty distant memories even for for the guys who uh, were involved in those teams so, yeah, I, I it, it certainly isn't going to be a positive factor for the Penguins to to have won uh, one out of the last 11 playoff games.
0: Taylor, your thoughts on that, and does does something just about going out and winning a 4 nothing game on Tuesday night <laughs> help that as far as not having to worry about those kind of things in the third period?
1: Yeah, and I think it, going back to, you know, how much do they think about this, like in particular that now they're playing the Islanders and – last time they really did play like a real a real playoff series, not counting, you know, the last one of the bubble, they did get swept by the Islanders. Um, it, it, it definitely has to weigh on them. Uh, and it, I mean, what, how many games in that, that sweep were, were close? Um, so yeah, it, 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 I know a lot of these guys weren't around for that, but I mean, the core they were, and uh, it definitely has to be something that, uh, that they're thinking about, um, especially now that they are down one nothing in the series.
0: And that, if, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you guys will, uh, that four-game sweep started with an overtime loss as well? Am yes. I right Indeed
2: it did. And yeah. there, I mean, there is probably reason to believe that the entire course of that series could have been altered if it would have been the Penguins who scored an overtime of game one.
0: Yeah. <sighs> well, uh, you know, obviously the, the, there's a lot of, this is a veteran team. They sh- should not be rattled. I, I kind of agree with you guys. I, I think that, Jari can certainly bounce back. Just a decent effort uh, with the effort that the 18 skaters in front of him uh, gave on Sunday would probably have been enough to win uh, game one. They've got to hope that that will be, that, that Jari plays a little bit better and they can kind of stay on their game for game two. We will find out, but we're going to ask some more questions of our next guest, Dan Rosen, when we come back on the DK pittsburgh sports radio on the 66 to 87 podcast welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on dk pittsburgh sports radio and right now we are delighted to be joined uh, by NHL.com, right, longtime writer Dan Rosen. Dan, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing well. It's playoff hockey time. What's not to love? I, have you
0: have you recovered? You, now, Dan is covering for our listeners. Dan is, I think, his first uh, first series assignment is Florida and Tampa Bay. And I, Dan, I'm ready for a best of twenty eight. There, oh, I don't know. I don't oh know my how goodness. you are. What was that like <laughs> uh, last
3: night? It, it was hard to keep up with my notes as I was, you know, watching watching the game and trying to write things down it was hard to keep up because there was so much going on there was so much action it was it was a lot of fun the only thing that was not good about it for me well the two things that weren't good about it for me was it was not a full building and I wasn't there so you know yeah well those two things but other than that it had everything you want for a playoff hockey and and really you know I mean these two teams the Panthers and the Lightning you know there's so much talk about rivalry. Well, it's still only been a rivalry because they're in the same state. Geographically, it's a rivalry, I guess. But now, you know, now it's a rivalry, I think. Now they're for real. And it's a lot of fun. It was a great game last night. Yeah, you could kind of see that coming toward
0: the end. Uh, meanwhile, uh, back here, uh, the Islanders yeah. uh, jump out to a 1-0 a one, one series lead on a 4-3. Uh, overtime win. And certainly one of the, the stars of that game was a guy that 48 hours earlier, I don't think a lot of people knew for sure was going to even play that. And Uyo Sorokin uh, certainly didn't look like he was playing in his first NHL playoff game. What were your impressions of him? And if you're Barry Trotz, uh, what do you do in goal for game two?
3: Well, my impression of Sorokin were exactly what my impressions were of him in the regular season. Solid, steady, you know what you're gonna get. Pretty predictable goaltender. Makes the big makes the saves he's supposed to make for the most part, and occasionally makes him 10 bellers like he did on Crosby with the left skate, you know. Um I, I, he was like that all season. You look at his numbers. I mean, he won 13 games, he had two one seven goals against a nine eighteen save percentage. He was really good all season long. Uh, and delivering exactly how the Islanders thought he would, so I'm not necessarily surprised by it. To be honest with you, what do you do if you're trying It's a really good question, but I think if Varlamov is ready to go, you go back to Semyon Varlamov. He's supposed to be your guy, and he and he and Sorokin have, have you know changed. You know they they've alternated a lot this season. Varley's gotten the bulk of the starts, but they're used to trading starts here and there. So I don't think it would necessarily impact the Islanders. And I don't think it would necessarily impact Sorokin if he wasn't to start in game two. I think Varlamov, you know, if healthy and ready to go, should be your guy because that's what he was supposed to be. Uh, and, and I think the Islanders are, you know, will be fine with that switch if that's the play. The play. I think you you don't overthink it in this, in this point for Barry Trotz and just play it off of one game for Sorokin you you go with what you were originally going to go with and I think if he's ready to go that's the guy you go with okay you know
0: Dan at the 2020 deadline or somewhere around the trade deadline the Islanders went out and got JG Paggio and I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people had some eye rolls at first when you said that you gave up what you gave up a first round pick for this guy but of course then they go ahead and sign him but you're still thinking You've given up a first-rounder for a, what, a third-line guy. Boy, has he played well, especially in the playoff games. 23 games now for the Islanders in the playoffs. Nine goals, five assists, 14 points, a goal and two assists yesterday. What does he bring to that team?
3: He uh, brings a little bit of everything. Um, he he is, you know, he's like the – to me, what he is is sort of like the prototypical Islander, He's the prototypical yeah. Baratross Islander type player where – he, you know, he's aggressive. He's in on the forecheck. He can cause some turnovers. He'll get in your face. He'll score goals. Um, just does a little bit of everything. He doesn't have any wow factor at any part of his game, but everything he does is high-end. Uh, you know, wins 57% of his face-offs, right? I mean, he scores 14 goals this season. He's he's contributing on the power play. He's contributing shorthanded as well. He's scoring game-winning goals. He's, he's the prototypical... The way the Islanders are built under Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo, it was yeah. like the perfect addition to get J.G. Paggio. I know they gave up a lot to get him, but you saw immediately the buy-in that J.G. Pajot had, oh. and he signed a six-year contract before he even stepped foot, before he even pulled an Islander sweater over his chest, he signed a six-year contract.
0: Yeah, it's been a great, great pickup. Dave? Or no, Taylor?
1: Yeah, Dan, was it just a matter of time before Kyle Palmieri broke out of his funk? And how much of that do you think is related to that he's just allowed to have a beard again?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. I didn't even think about that part, but that might be it. No, you know what? He he scored a goal against the Devils two games, second to last game in the season, I think it was, their regular season. And I think that was big for them. It was was a win. Uh, It was against his former team. He had a real strong game. And just getting a goal, which was his first one, I think, since his third game with the Islanders, or something along those lines. Um, I think that was big for him to get something before going into the playoffs, so he wasn't going in cold. And and he's he's a, look, I mean, he he's another one of those guys. You know, he's almost perfect fit for the Islanders because of his straight line game, and you know what you you know predictable goes to the net. You know, uh, has some skill to him as well, and and that's. You know, Oh, that that game he had yesterday was the kind of game that the, the Islanders thought they would be getting a lot of this season. Sort of that—that's what Barry Trotz said after they he scored the goal against Devils and they won that game, which I think was a five-one win or something like that. Um, he said that's the type of game and the type of goal and you know the effort that we ex- we've been waiting for from Kyle Palmieri—not necessarily effort, but that type of you know game that he played because it's a feeling out process as he got to the team. Uh, and, and somebody brought this up, which was interesting to me, the Islanders, because of how they play and how hard they check and how hard it is for the you know, the, that style of play. It's not the easiest style for a player to work himself into right away. J.G. Pajot was able to do it last year, but then he had the pandemic break, too, which helped him out. He had a whole new spring, you know, a whole new training camp. Palmieri had to come out of a totally different system to go play in this harder system to play in. And it comes in time, but I think now, he, you know, he's obviously, you know, proof yesterday. He's feeling his way and he's comfortable now.
2: Danny, you touched on Sorokin a few minutes ago. Uh, the other goaltender in the game Sunday didn't have such a good day, made a couple of, uh, Timely quality stops, but also let in some goals that uh, you would not normally expect to get in against Tristan Jari. Uh, Do you think there's any possibility that uh, his teammates will be rattled by the uh, by the way Jari played in the opener?
3: I don't think so. I mean, Dave, you've covered the team for a real long time. I mean, this is a for the most part, follow the core and the core doesn't get rattled anymore. It used to. Uh, It's doesn't anymore. Uh, I think the, there's a belief factor there. There has to be a belief factor in Jari. And the other thing is, I, I, I think, you know, they have to go into game two thinking it, he's going to play well, and is, if he limits the Islanders to two, they'll win the game. That, you know, that's kind of how it is. You know, and the Islanders are limited to two a lot. It happens a lot where they're limited to two or fewer goals. So, I think there still has to be a lot of confidence. And the other I mean, look, maybe it wouldn't have been that big a factor or we wouldn't be talking about it right now if they scored on the power play. The power play looked good at times, but the Penguins didn't get anything out of it. You know, um, I think Tristan Jerry is fine. The other part about it is if Casey Smith is hurt, I mean, they're not going to go away from Jerry. So you got to believe in him because he's going to be your guy.
2: And while every year is different, every series is different, Uh, the hard truth for the Penguins is that they've lost 10 of their last 11 playoff games. What do you as a, as a guy kind of looking at them from the outside uh, make of a team that, that puts up that kind of number?
3: Yeah, that's see, that's far more alarming to me than the, the Tristan Jerry game one performance, because they're close, you know, like they're close yesterday and all that. And they can't, can't find a way it, I don't. It's surprising, right? I mean, to to lose ten of your last eleven playoff games after the way this team is rolling. I guess you know, you know, market correction, if you want to call it that, from a playoff perspective. But it is a little bit alarming, and you have to wonder. I think if it starts to bleed into their heads, you know, that they are struggling to win playoff games, that they can't win them, that they're it's a bit of an issue now. And does that mean that come third period of a tight game, which I mean, look, you wanna put money on it. I'll bet that they're gonna be in a tight game in the third period against the Islanders every single time. That's just the way the Islanders play. How are they going to respond and react to that? A veteran team, as we've always seen win a veteran core, but some new pieces around that haven't had the success that the same level of success as some of their teammates like Crosby and you know and Latang and Malkin if he's in the lineup, I think it's something to be something to be cognizant of is as you go into game two because it it is something that it's a it's a jarring stat really that the pittsburgh penguins have won one of their last 11 playoff games
0: yeah well good stuff dan uh thank you so much uh for joining us uh that will be it that'll do it for this edition of the 66 to 87 podcast for the nhl.com's dan rosen for taylor haas And Dave Mallary, this is Tom Reed. We'll speak to you later in the week. Goodbye.